Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Good morning, church. Welcome to C3 Church Online, Malmö Lund, right here in southern Sweden. So, so glad you could be with us. Uh, my name is Quinton. Uh, my wife and I, Susanne and I, are the senior pastors of this wonderful church. And boy, are we enjoying the warm weather. Uh, spring has, has sprung and we're looking forward to the coming months of summer. Uh, restrictions opening up, hopefully in-person services, definitely streaming live online connect groups, gatherings outside. Let's be the body. Let's be connected relationally. Let's make sure we come out of our caves and start connecting again as we are in spring and heading into summer. So please be praying for us as your church. Be praying for all the tech guys and for us, your pastors. Be praying for your church in this season as we step into new territory. And we pray that you'd be flexible as well and patient as we try to figure things out. Um, some of it is wait and see, some of it is let's make a decision, decision and get it to work out. So pray and let's, let's do this together. Okay, this is part two um, in my part of the walk series, a discipleship series for the church. And I'm finishing with this uh, topic today. And before I jump into my topic today, let's review from last week. Uh, a couple of the, the bullet points from last week. If you watch the service, this will bring back things to mind. If you haven't seen the message from last week, you can catch it on podcast. I recommend that you do that. And so we started off by talking about how Jesus never called his disciples Christians. Actually, it was those that were mocking them, calling them Christians, like mini-me Jesus, that they were followers of Jesus Christ and they were being mocked by being called Christian. Jesus actually never used that word. He used the word disciple. And disciple means quite literally, as you would know, is follower, pupil, etc. And so we are disciples of Jesus Christ. That's it. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. If you have experienced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, you've received him into your heart and into your life and you've made him Lord of your life, then you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. That you will endeavour to live like Christ, that you'll endeavour to love like Christ and endeavour to do like Christ. And so if you've met him, we want to be like him. Another thing I said was it's a matter of the heart. Being a disciple and just about everything in the kingdom and our work in it or our part in it is a matter of the heart. It's not about going to Bible college and getting a bunch of head knowledge, which is really important as well, but there has to be an application and life transformation in our heart more than just a tick box system. And the example I used was Peter. What a great disciple he was. Many times ridiculed by preachers for his mistakes, but you know what? I draw encouragement from Peter because I get this feeling that as Christians, as disciples, as believers, as followers of Christ, we feel like we're not very good at it. And so when I look at Peter, I look at a guy that's not very good at it. He was imperfectly perfect. He's imperfect, 
was balanced by Christ's perfection. And he would make mistakes. He had a profound foot-in-mouth disease. He would make incredible successes. He was the one that denied Christ three times. He was the one that Jesus asked, do you love me three times? He was the one that just had such a profound effect on the early church and the establishment of the church. And so in all of his nature, I would like to encourage you, let's be like Peter. Some of the characteristics were he was excited about his relationship with Jesus. He was committed to it. He was repentant when he made mistakes. He was self-aware. He was humble. And they're characteristics of every disciple to be self-aware and have humility enough to repent when you need to. And he persevered. You know what? He was a guy that bounced back. When he made a mistake, he'd find a way to bounce back. And he did it again and again. So let's be encouraged by Peter. Awesome disciple. He was perfectly imperfect. And I finished off talking briefly about sons and daughters, about we are no longer slaves, we are sons and daughters. We are no longer orphans, we are adopted, we are made heir, heirs together with the authority that was given to Jesus Christ. Everything Jesus was given by the Father, he has, been given, he has given to us. And so servants serve to gain their identity, whereas sons and daughters serve from their identity. So hopefully some of those points helped you remember what we covered last week. Today, over the next few moments, I want to talk about the sower, the seed, and the soil from a discipleship perspective. There's an overarching perspective for this passage around evangelism and those receiving Christ, but I think it can be equally used around the aspect of discipleship as well. And so let's dive into the scriptures in Matthew 13, verse 1 to 9, and then 18 to 23. And I know this will be familiar to you, but let's just open our Bibles. Let's jump in. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat down by the lake. Such a large crowds gathered around him that he got into the boat and sat in it while the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow the seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path. The birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. And then the sun would come and the plants were scorched and they withered because... They had no roots. Another seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, another seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160, 30 times what it was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Verse 18. This is where Jesus explains what he just said. Listen, then, what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in their heart. This is the seed sown on the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time when trouble and persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The third one, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, 
But worries for this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. And lastly, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 and 30 times what was sown. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this parable. We thank you for your wonderful Holy Spirit. And we just ask that you would minister to us today with this word, that you would turn light switches on, that you would speak to every single one of us personally and powerfully in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus loved to teach this way. One of his main forms of teaching was through parables, very powerfully so. And I know if Jesus was here in person today, he'd be using all the forms of technology to communicate to people all over the world. No question of that. But he loved his parables, details that people could connect with, everyday incidences and habits that people could understand. And in the midst of those stories, he would place a profound truth for people to discover. And most parables did not come with an explanation. People had to figure it for themselves. But this one is special. The parable of the sower, the seed and the soil. He comes and explains it in detail himself. And the, the point of this parable is that the truth is not always received by the hearer. And he gives four different responses to the truth or the seed of life that is produced in each of our hearts through Jesus Christ. He tells us not everyone who hears is going to receive it. Not everyone is going to receive that seed that could produce a harvest and bring transformation to your life. You see, there is a sower, and that is God. There is a seed, and that is the powerful word of truth. And there is a soil, and the soil is the only variable in this equation. You see, the sower doesn't change, the seed doesn't change, but the soil does, depending on our response and our availability to God. The soil, simply put, is our responsiveness to Jesus and his word spoken into our lives. So I'm going to skip the first two scenarios, the seed falling on the path, the seed falling on rocky soil. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm going to jump straight into number three and number four. The third scenario. Well, firstly, the first two scenarios didn't work. The seed did not take root on the path. It was too downtrodden, too downpacked. The rocky soil... The roots couldn't go down deep for the seed to survive. And so here we are at number three. Number three, the third soil, the third opportunity. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. So this time, number three, the seed does fall on good soil. But. It didn't fall on the, on the packed path. It didn't fall on the rocky soil. This is quite good soil the seed has fallen on. But we see in this scripture that it's a very crowded soil. It's a very crowded soil. It's filled with weeds. I've got to say, at this time of the year, it's garden time. I don't know about you, but if you have a garden, you're probably already out there working the garden. If you're an apartment of some kind, you've probably got a, 
a bunch of new plants to sit in the window for spring. But I think for all of us, we are doing some kind of gardening at this time. And this is what this is really about, is the garden of our lives. This number three, this scenario where the seed is planted in soil, but it is crowded out by weeds. The weeds are robbing the seed of the nutrients, the moisture, the sunlight in which this seed needs for growth. So the passage says that those weeds represent our concerns about our lives, our worries, our pursuit of riches, our our attitude. Maybe it's because we're too busy. There's a weed that's too busy. There's a, another weed that we're too stressed or another weed that we're too busy, uh, too tired. What is it in your garden? Because when I look at our garden at home, there's a lot of weeds I have to pull out to allow our beautiful plants to flourish. You see, my garden is a place where Susan and I love to be. We always say it's much cheaper to be in the garden than to pay, pay for a psychologist. It's therapy. It's really good for us to work the garden. But here's the thing. If we don't work the garden, if we don't do the work of removing weeds and pruning plants and fertilising the soil and pruning and shaping and moving, if we don't do that work, we don't have a very nice garden. People will come to our place and go, wow, that garden's neglected. I mean, it's obvious. There's weeds all through it. You see, you can hear when someone's garden is neglected. You can hear it. You can see it. I'm asking you today, how's your garden? How's your garden? As we come to spring, literally come to spring, as we come to an opportunity for us to come back together as a church, as the restrictions start to lift, As we start to break away from our isolation and the restrictions, how's your garden? How are you doing? I think it's time for us to take stock personally, church, to make sure we're not carrying indifference, attitude, to make sure we've pulled weeds out that restrict us from diving into this wonderful season that we have as a church. This seed was planted in good soil. But the weeds, they rob the sunlight, the nutrients and the space to grow. I want to ask you today, are you frustrated with your walk with the Lord? Are you discouraged in your Christian faith, in your discipleship walk with the Lord? Where are you spiritually? Have you grown indifferent? Has the COVID pandemic had its effect? Because I've got to tell you, it takes work to maintain our spiritual garden. It takes work to allow that seed of life to have the nutrients and the light and the space for it to take root and produce that harvest. And so I want to encourage you, let's come out of Let's come out of winter and step into spring. Let's take stock, not just of our physical gardens at spring, but of our own spiritual gardens inside of us. 
So here is a seed that lands in your life. And how crowded is it for you? In this scenario, the soil of the heart is saying that there are things more important keeping myself than keeping myself sustained in God and my walk with Him. What happens here? The seed may be in your heart, but it is awfully crowded space. The seed is trying to take root, but there's cares and concerns, there's worries and anxieties that are robbing you of your faith. And I've got to say, look, we all have our list. We all have our challenges. Not one of us is free from any challenge that can discourage us and depress us and push us to our limits. But let's be intentional to go to that place and believe to get back into his word, to get back into connect group, to get back into service, to get back to a place that brings life to you, to back into relationship, to take stock and recognize the weeds that I've allowed to come into my garden throughout these months and recognize this is a spring season of the Holy Spirit on us. Let's enter into that together, afresh, anew, together. Just a side little promotion there. We have a spring cleanup at church. <laughs> Every garden needs to be attended to Saturday, 10 o'clock. This Saturday, 10 o'clock, we'd love to see you. So, before I get on to my next point, am I speaking to you today? Are there too many weeds in your garden? Do you feel like you're growing somewhat indifferent? to the things of God and his people and his church. Where are you at? We are the ones responsible for our garden. God's always responsive to us when we take a step towards him. It's incredible when we start to take responsibility for who we are before him and what he does with that seed. I'll leave that with you. But at the end, I'm going to pray for you. If this is an issue in your life and something that you want to process, I encourage you to, to speak with your connect group leader or speak with a friend that you have confidence in or a leader that you trust. And let's process this together. So the last one, we've had three and now we're on the fourth. The seed on the path, the seed on the rocky soil, the seed that was crowded out by weeds. The last one, is this one going to work? Still, Jesus says, other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60 and even 100 times more as much had ever been planted. You see, this part of the parable is completely unfamiliar to the rest. You see, the other three seeds that were cast into three different contexts of soil, people understood People understood this part about a seed being cast into fertile soil. But they don't get this last bit. They don't get the bit where it produces a harvest of 100, of 60 or 30. That is where their brain goes and explodes. What are you talking about, Jesus? Because we're talking about the seed 
that brings life. We're talking about the seed that brings change. We're talking about discipleship today, everybody. This is how we grow, with the seed of truth getting planted deep into our hearts. I think um, that farmer, if we talk about it in physical terms, sees his harvest explode by 30, by 60, by 100-fold. I think that farmer would make the Guinness Book of Records. I think people would be there taking selfies. I remember farmers complaining last year that people were walking in the raps fields constantly getting selfie pictures to post on social media. You'd have social media influencers filling your farm, getting the best media that they could get. But Jesus is trying to communicate something here. When we have soil in our heart that's receptive to him, the outcome is always more than we could ever expect. The seed goes to work in soil like that. Once the seed is sown, there's nothing more for you to do. Once the seed is planted in good soil, the seed goes to work in your life, transforming, building, making. Let me read verse 23 again. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. And so if there is one word that sums up this parable, it is the word understand. Understand. It says, those who truly hear and understand. Truly hear and understand. And when you unpack that word in this particular passage, understanding means gained through the five senses. That understanding is gained through the five senses. So what's really going on here is says, when the seed comes, if anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not receive it into an experience of the five senses, let me read that again. If anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not receive it, into the experience of the five senses, then the enemy will come along and steal it. Understanding. Jesus is calling us to understand with experience. He's calling us to get beyond concept. It's beyond, ah, yes, I understand that in my head. He's wanting to get down into our hearts. As I said last week, and I think I've said already today, discipleship is a matter of the heart. Our transformation begins and ends in our heart. You want your life changed? God will always start at the heart level. He's not interested in us maintaining an intellect, a concept. He wants us to have a practical human experience of his seed at work in us. Discipleship is always a matter of the heart. Picture this. As an example, in church, we 
regularly have guest ministries, pastors, leaders come and speak to us from different parts of the world. And let's just imagine someone comes and brings a very powerful prophetic word that just turns the light switch on. And our response to that word is yes and amen. You're sitting there in the congregation, in your seat, and you're listening, and there's something that's responding in your heart where you're going, yes and amen, count me in. And so your heart is responding. And as this person, this preacher, this minister, is speaking this prophetic word of revelation to the church, for the church, the congregation, as one, is going, that's a word for us. There's a response. You've taken it in. That seed has been deposited into the soil of your heart. And so here's the, here's the other part to that. If nothing really happens with that word, with that deposit of seed over the coming months, it's highly likely it's going to start to come back up and rise up through the soil to the surface of your heart. It's highly likely not to develop roots and germinate into a mighty oak tree of your heart. If it is not practically experienced fairly soon after the deposit of that seed, that word, then it's going to just slowly creep up in your heart. But here's the thing about that. I'll still know it in my head. I'll still know it in my head. You see, if that preacher, if that minister said to that word, for, for example, you know, C3 Malmo, God is calling you to mighty things in Malmo, to develop ministries into Malmo and into Lund, to develop ways in which we can love this city and in the city of Lund as well. And I've got to tell you, as I was preparing this message and praying over this very part, I was just feeling the Holy Spirit come down on me. And I believe over the coming months and the coming years, we are going to see doors open, ministry opportunities develop and grow, where we will be able to love Malma and love Lund where the needs really are in Jesus' name. And God is inviting all of us to be, about, be a part of that. So this might be an example, but there's some real truth, prophetic truth to it for us. And so that deposit gets put in our heart. But yet we haven't had an opportunity to work that out practically in human experience. And so it kind of gets a little bit void and comes to the surface of our hearts. But yet if someone says something about ministering in Malmö and Lund, you know, up here you're there. Yes and amen, of course. Yes and amen, of course. But let's flip it around. Or should I say, before I do that, another example. In the Western world, when it comes to teaching and, and, and if you like, being a disciple, we've kind of dumbed it down to just an academic, theoretical exercise. That when you go to business school, you learn theory. You don't learn from the businessman that failed. You don't learn from the business person that succeeded. That we've brought our learning down to principle and concept. That things can be repeated verbally, but not experienced. And we have to be very careful in church that the word is taught, the word is spoken, and the word is empowered into our lives. 
My mother would often imply when I was younger that a mature Christian had been a Christian for a long time, that maturity was based on how long they were a Christian. Well, I quite literally disagree with that. To me, a mature Christian is a disciple of Jesus Christ who has a growing intimacy with the Lord. You see, the level of dependency on Him actually is the level of maturity that you are as a disciple. Our journey of discipleship is going from me to Him, me in charge to Him in charge, and that's a pretty long journey. That maturity really is measured by dependence, not time. And really, this is what we're talking about today, the fertile soil. And so here we have the preacher. Here he is, bringing that word about us ministering in Malmö and Lund. And all of us are on board. All of us are excited. All of us have that in our heart. And we, over the next several months, engage into Malmö and in Lund. And depending on the vast gifting and personality and relationship circles that we have. We have everything from being a part of business breakfasts to meeting the poor in the street. We are got a spectrum in the way that we're engaging in our communities, but yet we are relying on the Holy Spirit to bring divine opportunities for us to speak, to love, to meet needs in Jesus' name. Right there, when we understand with the five senses that seed gets buried down into the soil of our heart in a way that is revolutionary. We start to see things that God sees. Do you understand this? There is power in that seed. And when we operate in that seed, we will see God move a hundred, a sixty and thirty fold in our lives and through our lives into Malmö and Lund. It's the same seed that's in him. That's where we start to really love our city as God loves our city. We start to realise that we've moved from indifference to intentionality. We start to move from a complacent heart to an impassioned heart. We start to get like Peter, who just won't quit because we've seen something that we've not seen before. Because I've said yes to that seed that brought life, that is bringing life to the people around me. We're starting to see that hundredfold, that sixtyfold, that thirtyfold start to eventuate because there's a bunch of lives that have said yes to Jesus. I want to take that seed. I want it to be buried into my heart. And I want to count the cost and pay the price because I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I don't want to just have a label on my head. I want to have a life that declares it with a neon light that I will live like Jesus, love like Jesus and do like Jesus. Let's pray. Let's wrap it up. Let's just close our eyes. Let's just, I don't know about you, but let's just put our hand on our hearts. Let's just respond to the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Lord, we come before you this morning. We ask that you search us by your Holy Spirit. As your disciples, we want you to make the changes in our lives. Let us, 
understand these weeds that we've allowed to grow in our garden of our hearts that are limiting your work in our lives. You have so much. You have the mysteries of heaven that you want to show us only if we would be receptive. Lord, if we are frustrated and disillusioned with our faith, Lord, I pray there would be a light that switches on right now that exposes aspects of our lives that we need to give up, that we need to see Jesus in instead of trying to strive in our own strength, whether it's our marriage, our children, our own economies, that we would stop striving in our own strength and see Jesus and find the grace and the power of this seed at work. This parable is so familiar, Lord, and we respond to it. Our hearts are responsive today, Lord Jesus. Plant your seed. Plant your seed in this church. Plant your seed in the lives of this church. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Bring a harvest. Bring a harvest in the families of this church, in the singles of this church. Bring a harvest in the marriages, in the families, in the children, in the finances, Lord. Bring a harvest of joy in Jesus' mighty name. I pray, Lord, as we work in the garden this week and the next weeks, Holy Spirit, that you would be reminding us of this word in Jesus' mighty name. We commit ourselves to you. We commit this amazing church to you. We commit to you, Lord, coming back to services and streaming online and developing city hearts and Lund. Lord, we pray for your abundant blessing on everybody in this church. The blessing of the power of the seed, the blessing of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. We love you, church. We miss you. We look forward to getting back in person with you. We've got things getting planned for this summer. And uh, we look forward to a little bit more normality in Jesus' name. Bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday.